Welcome to the Sports Lawyers Association podcast. The SLA is a nonprofit, international, professional organization whose common goal is the understanding, advancement, and ethical practice of sports law. With over 1,000 current members consisting of practicing lawyers, law educators, law students, and other professionals with an interest in law relating to professional and amateur sports. The organization has a wonderful membership filled with experience, insight, and knowledge, giving podcast listeners a peek behind the curtain of the sports law world. For more information about the SLA, visit sportslaw.org. Today's episode is The Business of Spring Training. Joining us are Maka Scott, Assistant General Counsel with the Chicago White Sox, who prior to joining the White Sox in 2020, was an attorney with the Arizona Diamondbacks and is a graduate of Arizona Summit Law School. Ashwin Krishnan, Vice President and General Counsel of the Miami Marlins, who has been with the Marlins since 2010 and is a graduate of Harvard Law School. And Joe Longo, who is approaching his third decade as an agent and has represented 22 first-round draft picks, winning landmark arbitration cases, and has been a practicing attorney for almost 30 years. His agency, Paragon Sports, represents such players as Christian Yellick and Aaron Nola. Joe is a graduate of Loyola Law School in Los Angeles. And now, here's your host, Brandon Leopoldis. And welcome to another SLA podcast. This week, we talk about the business of spring training as spring training has rolled around once again for the baseball world. My name is Brandon Leopoldis. I am the regional outreach captain of the SLA for Southern California. And today I am pleased to be joined by Ashwin Kriston from the Miami Marlins, Maka Scott of the Chicago White Sox, and baseball agent Joe Longo of Paragon Sports. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. And I want to jump right in so people that are listening can get a little bit better of an idea about what actually goes into the preparations of spring training. Oftentimes fans and others that don't work in baseball just see the the glory of spring training baseball uh, being played in the sunshine, and they don't understand that it takes a whole year of effort to get there. Um, so I want to start on the team side. Uh, Maka, Ashwin, I want to make sure that uh, people get a good indication about what the preparations are and how you guys approach moving to spring training from uh, one city to another, or Ashwin, in your case, across town. So it can be a massive undertaking no matter how far you're going. Can you tell us a little bit about that process and what those preparations look like? Amaka, I'm going to give it up to you first because you traveled the furthest. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to join you guys today. So, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely is some some preparation that goes into it. But we do have a permanent business structure that is already set up for spring training. We have separate staff here in Arizona. I'm actually out here in Arizona um, during spring training right now. But we do have a permanent staff there. The facility is actually run all year round by a separate staff. And then we also do share the venue with the uh, Dodgers. So we have to work with them on certain issues as well. When perhaps we're getting, you know, city approval or things like that. But we do actually have to relocate the baseball operations staff, but they are used to that relocation and they adapt very well. Some of which have permanent offices during the regular season and spring training at both venues. So, you know, it's pretty seamless, I would say, just because we're, we're kind of used to that. But there's a lot of uh, permanent business structure that is kind of set up for that. There is a lot that kind of goes into it. Definitely from the contract side, you know, we have partners and sponsors that are buying assets for both regular season and spring training. 
And then, of course, we have a, a lot of COVID-related issues. So last-minute deals are getting done as well. Everything is kind of, you know, based off local laws. So not only, you know, are we dealing with normal, regular season and, you know, trying to get fans into the ballparks in Chicago, but we're also dealing with well, what's going on in Arizona and what are the local laws there, capacity limits, and then, okay, now what about our vendors' partners? How are we able to deliver to them as well? Now, Ashwin, it's a little different story for you because uh, the Miami Marlins have their spring training facility conveniently not too far from uh, your home ballpark. So how does that change for you um, going across town for part of the season? First of all, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here and excited to, to speak with, uh, with, with Joe and Maka and, and uh, put this content out there for others to learn more about spring training. Maka covered it pretty well. We, we very similarly, although we're, we're about an hour and a half away from our spring training facility in Jupiter, Florida, here in Miami, we use it as a full year-round facility. So it's our player development complex. We've got a minor league team there that was in the former Florida State League, and uh, we share it as well with the St. Louis Cardinals, and they've got a, a team there that was in the Florida State League. And so we use it as a year-round facility for, for player rehab, for workouts in the offseason. It's a, it's a full year-round complex for us. And as Maka mentioned, we've got a dedicated staff there. There, both on the baseball side and on the facility side, keeping that facility operational. I think when the calendar turns to, to January, that's when things really start to ramp up uh, for us as we get ready for spring training and the start of the season. You know, the first thing, obviously, on a lot of people's minds is salary arbitration. So that's the period right there where you've got a group of players that are salary arbitration eligible and you're hoping to reach deals and get those guys settled. If not, you go to hearings in early February. And and then with that, you know, there's obviously a lot of activity on the free agent market as well. So first order of business is always getting all your players under contract and making sure you know who's on your team heading into spring training. I think in parallel this year, COVID created a whole bunch of complications for us. So obviously last year we didn't have a minor league season. This year we are planning on having one. And um, we, we had to obviously get the facility ready for both spring training and a potential minor league season. So there were all sorts of precautions and measures we took from seating pods to hand sanitizer to plexiglass barriers, everything you imagine uh, that goes with having fans in the building. Uh, so that was a big undertaking for us this offseason as well. And then the third element I'll mention, which is very similar to what Maka said, was just in terms of all the vendors and partners and, and contractors you have on site, both in terms of your spring training facility, but also your, your major league facility, getting all those people properly contracted and properly documented and, and getting them ready to go to both get the facility ready for spring training in the minor league season, but also get ready to quickly transition to the start of the regular season here. So, so all of that takes place in this, in this busy two to three month period. Now, Joe, Ashwin and Maka's organizations have to get ready for their facilities to be involved, their, their organizations, but your players also have to get ready for the season. And a lot of people don't realize the offseason isn't necessarily a full offseason for your players as they uh, prepare to come back from injuries. They come back off of a good campaign or a bad campaign, or they're going into a contract year. Can you talk a little bit? about what the preparations your players make for spring training and their families uh, in order to make that process as easily as possible. Yeah. As Ashwin Amaka said, thank you, Brandon, for having me on this panel. I really appreciate it. From a player's standpoint, you know, uh, you're right. Uh, you know, the end of the season rolls around. They take a couple of weeks off. Uh, things start up again in November and then really crank up in December. And then after January 1st, it's on. And with regards to spring training, Housing is the biggest issue for us because players change teams a lot. They get traded. They free agent sign. We've got to search for a new place to live. 
you know, we're constantly doing leases and, you know, trying to find transportation like cars or shipping cars. Equipment's a big issue because you got to make sure, even if you have a bat deal, you got to make sure the wood's there. Even if you've got a glove deal, you got to make sure the right glove's there. We got to schedule Wilson, Rawlings, Nike when they're coming through camp to meet with players because players need their equipment from day one to prepare for the season. And it's not a little thing. If a player misses Nike when they come through camp, it's a problem and and you have to deal with it. And uh, certainly COVID has had its challenges, everything from a year ago now. Now, remember the virus had already started in China and we weren't getting shoes on time because all the factories were closed. And, uh, you know, we, we were we were shopping on the Internet looking for shoes in some cases because couldn't get any from China for last spring training. And and uh, this year, the challenge has been, you know, uh, in Florida and Arizona, everybody with a second home in Florida and Arizona is in it right now. So housing shrunk dramatically. And for us to find places to rent for six weeks for players has been a really big challenge. Luckily, with a network of good realtors and just navigating the, the rental landscape, uh, we were able to place everybody. Teams are also very helpful in terms of the traveling secretary. Um, you know, we have some veteran players with families who just decided to stay at the team hotel and leave their family at home. And that's easier, especially when you have school age children, because this is just a six week stint until you go home. In most cases, guys are reporting early, so it could be a two month stint during the school year. But, um, you know, just quarterbacking, getting everybody a place to live, equipment and and being ready on time. It's just kind of what we're going through the first two months of the year. Well, and as you go through that, some guys don't sign until really late into uh, spring training or even just before spring training. So what are some of those considerations, not just through COVID, but also just in, in the regular world pre-COVID on how do they figure out which deal, if especially if they're only on invite only deals, how do you pick which team is going to give them the, either the best opportunity to make a team or to make a good impression on the rest of the league? Uh, yeah, this is a great question. We're in an age of analytics, and certainly on the player side, uh, we use a lot of analytics to evaluate everything from how a player's played in the past in that stadium to, you know, how his results have been in that stadium. Look, unfortunately, I've been around long enough before analytics. We used to we used to talk about the ballpark. You know, we used to talk about you know the advantages to pitching in San Diego in the summer especially in June when we had June gloom forever and the ball was a lot heavier okay it was simple things like that before spin rate came into the picture and some other things and i don't think we hang our hat on every one thing like i think we just take it all and put it into a cauldron and sort of discuss every aspect to an opportunity and team which includes like you said maybe it's a, a veteran guy on a non roster invite Let's take a look at the roster. Here are the players that are locked. Let's just say a reliever. Relievers tend to change teams a lot. You know, here are the bullpen guys that are locks. Here are the bullpen guys who have options left. And they're a little light on lefties. You're a lefty. Your odds are pretty good on this team. And the deal's fair. Just take it. And I always say to players, don't look back. Don't say what if on the other offers. Just just once you make your decision, don't look back. Report to camp and just give it your best shot. And it works out great. If not, we're out trying to find him another job with another team. Now, Maka, you know, as Joe talks about finding that right team for the right player, 
considerations for the team have to be made in order to put the best product on the field. Uh, and also keep that in mind with the rest of the business model. Teams aren't, uh, uh, despite what some fans think, unlimited amounts of money. So from a team perspective, what are some of the challenges when balancing payroll and keeping that business model viable um, through the long term, whether it's a big contract or a small contract? So um, this year, definitely, and last year as well, presented some unique challenges with COVID. But unlike, you know, very similar to other businesses, we had to make some, some really tough decisions when it came to payroll and, and keeping our business viable. You know, a lot of companies, including the baseball world, took big hits. Um, and so we had to make some tough decisions regarding our employees. Luckily, I did not have to make those tough decisions. I'm just in the, the background supporting whatever decisions are being made. But, you know, Ashwin, I don't know if you were kind of more involved in that, that balancing act with your team. Yeah, it was very challenging, as Maka mentioned. I mean, I think as soon as the pandemic hit, we realized there was going to be a pretty significant impact to our business and, and our overall operation. And, and certainly something that our management had to weigh very heavily as we made decisions as to payroll, as decisions as to our own staffing. And, and we, like other organizations, had furloughs and, and all of that. And it became very challenging, particularly when you, when you think about staff members who, who really depend upon the baseball season. You know, I think a lot of attention was put on let's say the players and, and some of the, the frontline staff, but there's so many folks that just depend, game day workers, concession workers, ticket takers, ushers, parking attendants, all of that, that became a big focus for us in terms of how we were going to help them and how we were going to try to find a solution for them. So that's why we're, we're tremendously excited to have fans back in the building, tremendously excited to have a season and to really give people a chance to do what they love, which is being part of this whole baseball world in some way or fashion. So, you know, for us, it was a, it was a big deal when we were able to get um, approval to have fans back in and see that they were going to have a season this year. But, uh, you know, I will say the other, the other element, and, and Joe talked a bit about it, is just kind of the logistics that COVID has created um, in terms of the testing, intake testing, close contacts, and, and just everything, you know, with players traveling from different areas to get here for workouts and to get here for spring training. It's made it a whole separate job. You know, I, I certainly feel like I have my general counsel job, and then I feel like I have my COVID-related job where uh, it's just a whole different set of responsibilities in terms of testing protocols, walkways, contact tracing, just everything we do, facility health screening, just everything we do to try to, you know, make it a safe environment. And obviously, it depends a lot on the cooperation of our players and staff, but we know it's not easy on, on anybody to survive these protocols. Well, Joe, they bring up a really good point how uh, COVID kind of turned the baseball world topsy-turvy. And the fact we we're able to get in a 2020 season is, uh, is pretty impressive all in its own right. But now with that, the new business of baseball kind of came through with the players as well. And in light of COVID, what uh, were some of the business issues that came through with you and your players because of the decreased take-home pay last year and some of the challenges that happened? What Were there issues that uh, arose from your perspective and your players? You know, the good news about most baseball players is they came up through the minor leagues and they're used to living off of $1,500 a month and $20 a day in meal money. So the good news is in baseball, the minor league system does teach you how to live on less. And um, But certainly, yeah, we only received 37% of revenues last year. So financial decisions needed to be made. You know, you put off buying the house, you put off moving, you, you know, that's how it goes. And I think you know, there's many people in many different businesses who went through that same thing last year, not just professional baseball players, which 
obviously are on a different level because in the grand scheme of things, 37% of league minimum is a lot of money. Okay. So that said, it feels like our roster got weathered it okay. And, uh, you know, everybody was just trying to get through 2020. I think it's kind of like you hear a lot about people being isolated at home, having a mentally tough time. We had a lot of players on our roster that had a tough time last year. I mean, they were in a bubble, a lot of them away from their families. After a game, you know, you can go relax and have dinner with friends. Where They couldn't do any of that. They couldn't see anybody. And I think mentally, a lot of them were worn out by the end. Even though it was only a 60-game season, I think a lot of these guys were worn out and uh, mentally. And it's a tough game as it is, That's you know, mentally. So you add the factor of the isolation, I think all of us, would agree it, it was a tough season to get through. But I think with the way things are progressing now, and certainly from talking to clients today in 2021, even though there's still the bubble going on, I think everybody feels pretty good about the direction things are going. And everybody seems to be upbeat about this season. Well, that seems to be the nature of spring training is everybody's upbeat. So Joe, uh, I want to close with two questions. And I want to start with you on this first one. Uh, what's the hardest part about spring training preparation? And also, what's the best part for you? From the sort of attorney agent perspective, I think all of us in this panel deal with a lot of contracts, and that's what we were trained to do. And I think putting those together is always a challenge, but it's a very fulfilling challenge. And I think it's one of the highlights spring training. I think Ashwin was talking about arbitration trials going on in February, and that's kind of an annual thing where uh, certainly us in baseball get to feel like trial lawyers for one quick part of the year. And then <laughs> the rest of the year, we're pretty much transactional lawyers. And it's the one part of the year, I think we're all on the opposite sides of tables. But for the rest of the year, we're on the same side of the table, hoping player plays well, team does well, and team wins games because it benefits us all. You know, and then probably the negative is it's a, it's a grind of travel, a grind of getting contracts signed, of getting housing, equipment, you're, you know, just you're going through a whole bunch of stuff from like January 2nd on. And then once opening day hits, it kind of just, you know, just all stops because then, and then everybody's off trying to get a hot start in April and it seems to get back to normal. Sure. Ashwin, same question to you. What's your favorite part about spring training prep and uh, what's uh, the worst part for you? Yeah, the favorite part is always just seeing games on the field, just getting a chance to actually watch baseball being played again. You know, it's uh, after the season ends in September, October, whenever it ends for for your team, uh, it's a long off season. I mean, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of stuff that goes on, a lot of you know just activity on a variety of different fronts, and and you sometimes forget, okay, what what am I doing all this for? What what is the you know where's the reward? And then when you get to spring, when you see everybody in camp, when you see games on the field it makes you think, okay, this is why I work in baseball. This is why I love what I do, uh, just to see that excitement. I would say the, the the most difficult part is just this time of year is is absolutely crazy with everybody. You know, we've got 15 or so different departments, probably 200 or so employees. Everybody's ramping up. Everybody's going crazy. And and as Joe and, and Maka said, you know, primarily what we do is contracts. And so everybody's looking for contracts. Everybody's thinking their vendor or their their issue or whatever it is, is the most pressing issue needs to be done by the start of the season. And it's just time management. It's just trying to manage the 15 different requests you get a day or whatever number it is per day where people are asking you to do something and you kind of have to you know, prioritize and say, okay, this is what I'm going to get done today. This is going to get done this week. This is going to get next week, knowing that everything at some point needs to get done, uh, you know, as soon as possible, certainly by the start of the season. So it's just always a fun time management exercise this time of year, but uh, we've all been through it and we'll get through it again.
Well, I, I turn to my Cactus League colleague, Maka. Uh, what is uh, your favorite part about uh, spring training prep, and what's the worst part? Well, absolutely, as, as Ashwin said, honestly, it's it's definitely the games being able to actually to see that final product. But we had a lot of changes during this COVID time. Some of those challenges were partners holding off and sponsors holding off until the, the what-ifs. So preparing for a million different scenarios end up being rewarding and, and challenging. Um, I don't know how many times I've redrafted this, the same language because the local laws continually change. Um, and then also, as Ashwin mentioned, you know, a lot of things are, are last minute that normally wouldn't be just because everyone was kind of holding off to see, well, what's going to happen? Are we going to be able to, to have fans? What are those capacity limits going to look like? Um, what are assets going to look like this year? So it, it was a lot of uh, a more, more last minute than usual, I would say. Well, Maka, to close out, if you could give one thing for SLA members to watch in the baseball universe this year, uh, where would you turn their attention? I hope that as vaccines become more available, we will start seeing uh, an increased capacity limit, even though, you know, there's already some limits set. But I hope that those numbers will start to scale up together. Ashwin, same question to you. Where would you point everybody's direction in the baseball world to uh, take a look at this year? Yeah, same same vein. I mean, hopefully getting back to enjoying live entertainment and live experiences. I know we've all had a long year plus now of of sitting at home and and doing a lot of virtual things, uh, Zoom and, and watching games on TV. But I hope people remember why they love going to baseball games and love being at the stadiums and experience things, you know, in person with their friends. Uh, obviously, a lot of it is dependent on the vaccine and other health and safety measures. But my hope is that people get excited about experiencing live baseball again. Joe, last word goes to you. Your 2021 focus, uh, where, where would you point people's attention? I had a conversation with a client last night, and uh, I asked him how it was with the 20% of the people in the stadium. He goes, it's okay, but can you imagine when we get back to normal how fun it's going to be? And I think, I think the second half of the year, hopefully the way things are going, the thing to look for is full stadiums and maybe even drawing in the casual fan who just wants to get out and see a game. And, and that would be healthy for baseball too. you know, get things back to normal. Right. Well, Maka, Joe, Ashwin, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to be on the SLA podcast, especially in the middle of spring training. Again, my name is Brandon Leopoldis. And if you have uh, any interest in getting more information about the Sports Lawyers Association, please go to sportslaw.org and uh, consider a membership. There's a lot of great uh, resources behind the paywall. And if you're a member, you have access to our membership directory, a lot of different documents and resources. And of course, if you have questions, you can reach out to me or anybody else at the SLA, and we're happy to help point you in the right direction. Thanks again, and we look forward to the next SLA podcast coming up real soon. Thanks.